What's going on? Welcome to the show, the Pete Callender Show. As luck would have it, I am Pete Callender. Thank you very much for listening and for downloading the podcast or listening on your browser. Uh, if you really want to help me out, subscribe to the podcast and uh, give it a review, preferably positive. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, you can go to the Pete Callender Show and get all of the uh, links to all of the podcast platforms uh, so you will never miss an episode. You can also join the Facebook group, the Pete Callender Show. And uh, there is a link also at the website for the Patreon account if you'd like to uh, contribute and get free stuff uh, like Alan and Becky and Beth and Brian and Catherine all did. I appreciate all of y'all's support. I also appreciate the fact that Mattress Man has been a longtime supporter and fan of the show. They saw sort of the the way things were going with the with the COVID nineteen response, and they said, uh, "Let's try to make this as easy as possible for people who want to buy a bed, but now they're not going to be able to, you know, go out and shop for a bed." Uh, and a lot of people, uh, you're probably one of them, spending a lot more time online nowadays. And so Mattress Man said, because this is the kind of forward thinking guy he is, he says. You know what? Uh, well, his name is Chuck, and uh, and, and all the folks at uh, Mattress Man, like Wes and everybody. But anyway, they were like, "Hey, you know what? Why don't we redo our website so this way people who are coming to the website are going to have a better experience and are able to get anything that we have in our stores. They'll be able to get it." By the way, they do ship nationwide, uh, so they wanted to reach out and let you know that uh, first off, uh, their thoughts and prayers are with everybody. They're in this with you, your loved ones as well. Um, and I know that you're probably hearing a lot of businesses say that, but I can tell you that that's the kind of people that they are over there at Mattress Man. When I got uh, laid off and started this podcast, Chuck at Mattress Man immediately said, sign me up for whatever. I want to support what you're doing, and uh, we got to take care of our neighbors. That's what he said, literally what he said to me about why he wanted to support the program. So... um this is how they they put their uh, their philosophy into action. Uh, they live it. And like when veterans need jobs, he gives them jobs. And when local charities need beds for their shelter, he gives them beds. That's the kind of guy he is. So if you're looking for a mattress, and they have all of the mattresses, they've got, I mean, we have the memory foam, but uh, they've got inner spring, pillow top, natural latex mattresses, all of it, um, along with the adjustable beds. And you can shop from the comfort of your home. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee that ensures you're going to love your mattress. Uh, and if you don't, they will exchange it for free for the limited time. And, and uh, they also have, for, for the local folks, free local white glove delivery service. Okay, so go to mattressmanstores.com, mattressmanstores.com, and then uh, click the Shop Online button. And remember this discount code, RESTWELL, okay? Restwell, R E S T W E L L, all one word, Restwell, and you'll get an additional 20% savings site wide. All right. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference at Mattressman. Buy local and sleep better. Here's some good news, too. So there's a company, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Henry Shine Inc., and they announced over the weekend the availability of an antibody rapid blood test for the COVID 19. It's intended to be administered at the point of care, and the test delivers results within 15 minutes with a pinprick, and there's no instrumentation required. The company anticipates having at least several hundred thousand tests available by today, March 30. 
and significantly increased availability beginning in April. And that's just right off of their uh, press release. So good news today. Uh, I wanted to start off the program with that because I know a lot of times it seems like there isn't really a lot of good news. It just seems to be, uh, well, it's just very slow moving. This is not a good, it's not good for anybody, but this is, well, I shouldn't say anybody. There's probably people that it can be good for. Uh, But all of this shutdown um, cannot be good for the impatient people among us. I'm pretty patient, but even I feel like I need to, like we need to break out of the tracks here seems like we're just kind of stuck so um that's a piece of good news another piece of good news but kind of bad news at least if you are in uh, wake county remember the sheriff up in wake county gave the uh or made the announcement about a week or so ago that they were not going to be doing any more pistol purchase permits or renewals for concealed carry just because they are, you know, they're overloaded uh, and they don't want people coming in and it's not an essential uh, business or service. And so uh, he just, you know, this is a sanctuary sheriff, by the way. So this is a guy that won't even work with the federal, you know, immigration customs enforcement to enforce laws. Uh, And so uh, shocker of shockers, here's another law he doesn't want to enforce and it has to do with uh, personal gun ownership. And so he made this announcement <clears throat> a couple of, um, about a week ago, and immediately people started raising questions about the legality of it. And now we have a statement from the North Carolina Sheriff's Association. Uh, this is from Eddie Caldwell, the executive vice president and general counsel of the North Carolina uh, Sheriff's Association. And it's dated March 27th. And the subject of this memo that went out to all sheriffs in an email The subject is, does a sheriff have the authority to suspend processing and issuance of pistol purchase permits and concealed handgun permits because of a declared state of emergency? They start the memo off by stating that questions have arisen about whether or not current state law allows a sheriff uh, to cease processing and issuing these permits uh, because of a declared state of emergency like the coronavirus pandemic. And next sentence, this is a very short memo, by the way, next sentence, for the reasons stated below, we can find no legal authority authorizing a sheriff to stop processing and issuing the following permits because of a declared state of emergency, because the processing and issuance of these permits are mandated by statute. And they also went so far as to underline the part where they say we can find no legal authority. What does that actually mean? (laughs) right what does that mean it means he's not obeying the law there's no legal authority that the sheriff is exercising in suspending the permit process which i think is a pretty big deal for a guy who swore to uphold the laws right that's i don't know just me um and they go through you know there these permits are mandated by statute the processing and issuance are mandated by statute for pistol purchase permits new concealed handgun permits, and renewal of concealed handgun permits. Um, it, it says that uh, Article 52A of Chapter 14 of our state general statutes governs the pistol purchase permitting process. North Carolina sheriffs are required to issue these permits to qualified applicants. Uh, Article 52A does not grant to the sheriff the authority to suspend processing or issuing pistol purchase permits because of a declared state of emergency. 
They shall issue. That's what the law says. They shall issue. It doesn't say that they get to not issue if they don't want to or if they think, oh, no, things are really bad, so I shouldn't issue them right now. Nope. Shall issue. And in law, when you see that word shall, when you're reading uh, laws that, you know, General Assembly people have written, when they want you to do something, they write shall. If it's if it's your choice, they'll say may, right? But th- that's it. Shall means you got to do it. Now, we shall see what the uh, Wake County Sheriff decides to do in response to this guidance that comes from his own Sheriff's Association. I'm actually in uh, just, you know, full disclosure, I'm kind of uh, interested in how this shakes out because our own sheriff here in Buncombe County, Quentin Miller, he has shown a propensity to follow the pack on the sanctuary sheriff um, uh, issue. And so I kind of get the sense that how Wake and Mecklenburg go, our guy might go as well. And I've actually already begun the process. I went down there before everybody went on lockdown here. I went uh, I went down and did my renewal. So I'm I have a vested interest in making sure that our guy doesn't do what the weight guy did, you know? Um, what else? Oh, speaking of uh, of uh, government rules and regulations and such, uh, do you see this story out of Ohio? Mike DeWine, he is the governor of Ohio, and I believe he's a Republican. I think uh, somebody told me that he's a never-Trumper, too, but I, it, I don't think that doesn't have any bearing on this case. But... Um, Mike DeWine, along with Lieutenant Governor John Husted, have released a statement expressing frustration after they say the U.S. FDA decided to limit the use of new technology to sterilize desperately needed surgical masks. What? Are you freaking kidding me? In a statement released Sunday morning, DeWine and Husted announced the FDA had authorized Columbus-based Battelle, is the name of the company, Battelle, B-A-T-T-E-L-L-E. Maybe it's Bate. Bate. Anyway, um, this company uh, was allowed by the FDA to sterilize 10,000 surgical masks each day in Ohio at their plant. So they're sterilizing surgical masks. And Battelle is allowed to, by FDA rule, they're allowed to do 10,000 masks. They can actually do, they have the capacity to do 160,000 masks a day in Ohio alone. So when you hear these stories about medical personnel not having enough, uh, what do they call them, PPE, personal protection equipment, and surgical masks and stuff, uh, and so they're like, oh, we got to reuse these masks and we're having to wear bandanas and such. Here's a company that can actually sanitize the masks so you can reuse them. They can sanitize them at a clip of 160,000 a day in Ohio alone. And the FDA said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. You're only allowed to do 10,000. The authorization of 10,000 masks per day is limited to Battelle's Columbus headquarters and prevents Battelle from sending its groundbreaking technology to other states like Washington State, New York, as well as Washington, D.C., and the Virginia, Maryland areas, according to the press release. The FDA's decision, this is the governor speaking now, the FDA's decision to severely limit the use of this life-saving technology is nothing short of reckless, he said. Battelle had intended to send one machine to New York City, so they could. So, so this one machine can sterilize like 160,000 masks a day. So they're like, hey, we got these machines. We're going to send one to New York City. 
and another one to Stony Brook, which is on Long Island, and it's a, a hospital and lab, and uh, it's also a college and everything. Um, and um, the machines would also have been dispatched to the state of Washington, as well as to Washington, D.C. Battelle had planned to ship four more units elsewhere in the United States this week, and 15 additional machines in the coming weeks, too. But the FDA is like throttling that back, saying you can't do more than 10,000 a day because we have rules that must must be adhered to. This is the stuff. Whoops. This is this. I just dropped the page. Hang on. <laughs> this is the stuff that drives people insane. Are you kidding me right now? Look, I understand maybe there was some reason for the rule at some point along the way when you when you put it into place, but... Can we all agree that maybe in the circumstances we may want to try to push this stuff out as fast as possible? And unless the surgical masks are actually not getting sanitized, and it turns out like it's uh, it, there, these things are like uh, sort of like the Chinese product where they are like basically like broken when it arrives from China. I know, I know. Who could have ever thought that all of the test kits and masks and such that were, and ventilators that China was producing and shipping all over the world, who would have ever thought that quality might be at issue with a Chinese-made product, right? That's, I'm sorry, is that, that, that's a little, I know, it's a little, (laughs) it's a cheap shot, but I take them. Okay, Um, what else? Data. This is uh, this is an amazing thing. I, was, I follow a guy on Twitter named Stephen Krakauer. So I'm going to move from now data and then uh, how it's being reported and how apparently every single person in the media doesn't understand statistics and how to read data, uh, which I understand. You you didn't go to school uh, to be a statistician or you know uh, a mathematician or an epidemiologist. This isn't your forte. It's not mine either. Okay, so I get that. But on the other hand. It is reckless for folks who are providing information to not understand what the data is and is not able to tell us and the limitations that all of this data in a new pandemic, um, the limitations that all of this data has. So Stephen Krakauer is a senior digital producer. He's worked at uh, CNN, uh, The Blaze, Media Eye, TV Newser, NBC, and uh, so the guy's got credentials, okay? And CNN is running, or uh, over the weekend, ran a, uh, you know, they call it a Chiron. I call it a Chiron. It's the thing at the bottom of the screen. And they ran this thing at the bottom of the screen that says it's incorrect for President Trump to say that we've tested more people for coronavirus than any other country because per capita, we are not number one. Okay, so what does this mean? So CNN, and this is this is what the media has been doing this entire time, and basically the entire presidency, is because Donald Trump speaks in word salad, and I get that, and I'm a, crit- a critic of that as well, and it does make it difficult uh, to get clear direction from the guy. But um, when, when he comes out and he says, we've tested more people <clears throat> than any other country, and then CNN, in this constant kind of high school, eh, well, that's not really fair, junior high kind of approach to reporting. Well, you said more people, and that's not really true, because per capita, like, okay, growing up, my uh, when, I would, when I would seize on these, these uh, inaccuracies with my family, I, I earned myself the nickname Mr. Technicality. 
and you could really see where I was going. Now, I would submit the reason why I had to get very technical is because some people were telling some whoppers in the family, but whatever. Um, this is why this data point matters, though, because when the president says we've tested more people than any other country and CNN says, well, it's a per capita, which, which means per person. Okay, so we have more. So what does this mean? We have 330 million people, right? 330 million people in America. And let's say we've done 300,000 tests. And that's way more than everybody else. Okay, but that's going to be what? 300,000 tests is like what? 1%? So only that, that would be per capita. That's only 1% of the population. And you see, if you go to these other countries like Italy, they've tested others. In Spain, they've tested way more as a percentage per capita. Okay, so if that's now the standard, so does America really have the most coronavirus cases in the world? Because that's what the media is hyping up because it hurts Trump, they believe. Like, look at Donald Trump. He's the president and all of these people. It's, okay, so it's not just that it hurts Trump. It's also that it's sensationalizing and hype, and this is what media does. You know, if they're, if they're not scaring you, they're not doing their jobs. This is, it has been this way my entire life. I've been saying this for decades. This is all that the our current iteration of media in the mass media sense, the networks and the the uh, the cable networks, what they are pushing is fear. Because they know fear is a hell of a motivator to get people to buy stuff, particularly the story about what you should be afraid of. This household cleaner could kill you just by looking at it. Details at 11. Like what what? I got to wait. It's only it, it, it's only seven p.m. What happens if I got four hours? What what if I look at this plate this cleaner? Am I gonna die? Oh my god! I got, I can't look at anything in the house except the TV. Right. So this is what media does. It's it's just in the DNA. Okay. And it, which always kills me when people uh, I talk to in media when they say, "Oh, you know, I, I got into this because I wanted to tell stories. I, I'm a storyteller. I wanted to." you know, write stories and share stories and this and that. Well, then how come it's always like sensationalism that, <laughs> that I see from most of these people telling everybody you need to be scared all the time? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't I don't get some of that. You know, oh, my gosh. Because this is what, by the way, Michael Crichton talked about, the speculative nature of news reporting. And it's basically worthless because speculation, anybody can do speculation. Gee, this might happen. Oh, this other thing might happen, too. Back to you, Biff. Who cares? You saying what might happen. Yeah, you know what? And, uh, you know, if we all pooped gold, we'd be rich. Although probably not, because then it would be, you know, a lot of supply of gold. It wouldn't be a precious metal at that point. But anyway, I digress. So per capita, does America really have the most coronavirus cases in the world? Because the media was running with that story all weekend, right? We're number one. Yay, look at us, everybody. We got more cases because of Trump. Because he stinks, and he didn't respond. I mean, he responded more than we told him he should, and then we ripped him when he did. But he, he didn't. He's not protecting us. And so we have the most cases because he stinks. Well, do we have the most cases? Well, they were saying we had the most cases by number. But... What about per capita? Right. What about per capita? If the new number now is per capita, because you want to use that to nail Trump over a, quote, lie when he said we tested more people, which by the numbers is true. We've tested more people, but we haven't tested a larger percentage of our population per capita. Well, if we look at the per capita number then of, of actual cases, we're 27th. 
we are not number one. See, fun with numbers. It almost makes you wonder if they're honest in their coverage of this. No, it doesn't. We all know they're not honest in their coverage of this. And this is but this is why it's so critical to get your news from multiple sources. Talk to different people. In fact, this is one of the things Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, one of the things he did in the weeks before all of this craziness really ramped up was he was basically spending most of his time on the phone during the day talking with people about how to be prepared and what is the best course to take. Like uh, one of the big things people were calling up, you know, because it's Old Grouch's Military Surplus, people were calling up, hey, do you have MREs? And what he was advising them was like, look, MREs are good for like, you know, you want to store them for years? Okay, then go look for some MREs and he can help you with that, obviously. But he was advising people basically, you know, don't come to the store because I'm I'm not going to sell you what you really need, which is rice and beans, Uh, you know, dry goods and such. Go to the grocery store, buy some, buy bags of rice, buy some bags of, of beans, you know, stuff that will keep on the shelf that you can cook up. Because whatever, however long this lasts, he said that if the government's saying two weeks, double it. And so what the government's saying now is, you know, one month, so maybe two. So uh, that's the kind of advice that he was giving. That's the kind of guy Tim is at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Uh, They're on Main Street, downtown Clyde, but the best bet nowadays, the website, oldgrouch.com, oldgrouch.com. Go take a look at the website. Use the promo code PETE. Uh, for 10% off. Uh, it's a, And um, when they do reopen and everybody's back up and running again, you can go down and visit them on Main Street, downtown Clyde. It's uh, Old Grouch's Military Surplus. It's an old school, traditional military surplus store with a mix of modern and vintage items. And, uh, you know, tell them you heard it here. So Governor Cooper announced on Friday a stay-at-home order starting now. So we are now at a stay-at-home order, which I kind of thought we were already under. But in classic leadership style of Governor Cooper, um, he let everybody at the county levels decide what to do first, and then he kind of followed their thing. He did this, too, with the school closings. Did Did you catch any of that? He waited and explicitly said this. He said that uh, he's going to wait for a large school district to make a decision about whether to close, and then he would decide whether or not to close schools. And so almost immediately, Wake County, I think it was Wake, or maybe it was Durham, one of the, they said, we're closing. Yeah, we're going to send everybody home. And when that started happening, then the governor was like, okay, let me lead from behind here. And (laughs) let me jump out in front of the parade and start leading this movement because they, they want to close. So, all right, I'll I'll, I'll close the state down. And there were people at the time who were saying, "Eh, this might be a bit of an overreaction at this point, and I don't know. So this is the thing. I don't I, I do not know what is the and was the right course to have taken and to be taken. Um I'm just sort of relying on what the medical experts are saying and they're basing what they're uh they're basing their projections on the data. And now that we are getting data in America, that's the data I trust. The data in America. I do not trust the data in China. Have you seen this story? Instead of the Shanghaiist is uh, the name of the publication in the Wuhan province. So there's two stories. One was the movie theaters opened back up. Um, it, it may be the next door. It may be the next province over. Uh, they had opened their movie theaters back up, like after, uh, after being shut down. They opened them back up. Didn't even last a week. They had to shut them all back down again. If you think China has this thing under control, you're crazy. 
Like this is a country, as I said uh, before, this is a country that lied about millions of deaths in their great leap forward. Do you think they're going to not lie about some tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of deaths? It's a it's a country of over a, a billion people. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, the the second thing is the the crematoriums in China. They got on um, the what was it five thousand urns for ashes? You know, five thousand urns delivered to this one crematorium, and I think it was like three shipments of 5,000. And there were like three others in the Wuhan province, three other crematoriums. And so people are now extrapolating these figures, and the numbers that China reported, I know this is going to shock you, but you so sit down if you need to, they're not accurate, okay? They're not accurate. China has been lying from the very beginning. The World Health Organization has been helping them do it. It's, it, it, it is utterly despicable and grotesque, but they're communists. So, I mean, really, what do you expect? Um, in North Carolina, the first coronavirus uninsur- uh, unemployment insurance checks uh, will be going out. So unemployment checks will be going out this week for the first time. Um, 1,200 cases in the state. 91 hospitalizations and seven dead so far in uh, North Carolina, that according to WRAL's numbers. And there are now cases reported in 75 of the 100 counties. So Cooper orders the stay-at-home order, um, and it's taking effect now, and it's going to run through April 30th. Um, The additional, and by the way, the restrictions that he put, I read through his order, I'm not going to go through it. Uh, His order is actually... Uh, less restrictive than the county orders. Once again, he waited for the counties to do it, and then he follows up with his own order after the counties do it. The order came the same day as the Department of Health and Human Services um, added a hospital bed tracker to its website. Um, That tracker, which listed 18,256 total beds and about 7,200 empty on March 27th, Uh, included a disclaimer that the data included 81% of hospitals. That tracker says that as of Saturday morning, 87 people were currently hospitalized in North Carolina with COVID-19. That is now up to 91. This is, by the way, the story at the North State Journal, nsjonline.com. As of Friday, North Carolina uh, had one of the lowest positive test result percentages on the COVID tracking project, with just 5% of tests coming back positive. North Carolina disclosed over 15,000 tests performed, which was 13th among the 50 states and the District of Columbia, which, once again, is this per capita? So we've done 15,000 tests, which puts us number 13 in America for the number. But what is that based on our population in comparison to the other states? I don't know. Only Minnesota had a lower percentage of positive cases in the top 15 states for completed tests. Public health experts said early that cases of COVID-19 would rise as testing ramped up. Discussing the disparity in data quality and the variability of positive percentages, Yale cardiologist Harlan Krumholtz told the Washington Post, quote, We have no systemic strategy to do the kind of surveillance necessary to understand the chain of transmission. We are basically flying blind because we have so little idea about its penetration into our society and the number of people affected. This is what I've been saying from the very beginning, is that the symptoms don't present themselves early, and when they do, sometimes they're very mild, and you wouldn't even know you had it. For all I know, I could have had it. I don't know. 
you know, I'm, it's allergy season too. So, you know, it, we came out, we're coming out of the flu season, the regular flu, right? So people who, go, who got sick and then it kind of passed, they may have actually had it and had no idea. And then they passed it on to others because it's so highly contagious. Um, public health experts can use negative test results to, to determine if an increase in cases are being driven by the epidemic or increased testing. So we're still trying to figure out like how many people have it and then how many people die from it. Like we're still collecting data. And I know this is why I said earlier, this is not a good time for an impatient person because uh, people want to know all of this information immediately. Tell me what all the data, what, what, why do we know that data? How do we not know? Like everybody is projecting. And now you start seeing the limitations of the models and garbage in, garbage out. And so what was, you know, we have the original projection with, you know, all of the millions dead. Now that gets revised downward. And so people who want this thing to be overblown and not that big of a deal, those folks come running out. And what are they saying? See, I knew it. They revised the stuff downwards. Okay, first off, it's good they revised downwards for now. Let's hope that it keeps going down. But also the stuff that we're doing has an impact on the spread, right? We've, sh we've shut down essentially the global economy for now going on what two weeks and this this is i saw it referred to as uh, this is not a recession this is not the great depression this is the great suppression and it's so accurate the economy was humming along and then all of a sudden govco comes in and says stop and i i understand why i understand why and as we collect more data, hopefully it informs better decisions. But right now, the only response we apparently have is a medieval era response. Everybody stay in your homes. <laughs> Nobody leave your houses. Um, and here we are on, uh, coming up on the first of the month. Rents are due. Bills are due. You know, th the bills haven't stopped just because the income has and all the restaurants are closed and everything like people still have to pay these bills. And uh, our leaders better figure something out pretty damn quick. Uh, let's see. Public health. Uh, da, da, da. I think a lot of time people don't realize the importance of negative results Said Justin Lessler, a professor of epidemiology at Johns Hopkins. Um, he did a study estimating the incubation period of the coronavirus. While data sets on testing results in hospital beds are incomplete, government agencies are also discouraging otherwise healthy citizens or suspected mild cases from being tested at all, right? Because they don't want to get overloaded in their hospitals. And so if they don't want to get overloaded in the hospitals, they say, well, if you don't think you're really sick, then just stay home, which is perfectly fine advice, I guess. But when you're trying to collect data, and know how many people have been infected and how many people survived, how many people had, were asymptomatic, and you're trying to collect data, it's not helpful, right? It's counterproductive for that, um, for that experiment or for that uh, analysis. Discouraging broader testing can skew the fatality rate, according to experts as well, right? If you don't have a lot of the tests coming back and the only people that you're doing the tests on tend to be the ones that are hospitalized and dying, then your fatality rate is going to look way higher because you're not doing enough testing on the front end. Last week, Senator Phil, uh, North Carolina State Senator Phil Berger, who is the uh, leader of the state Senate, 
he recommended, we talked about it, uh, so, uh, doing a, a sample testing of like a thousand North Carolinians. Just take a random sample, test them, and, and, and see what we get. Just to see what does a random sample turn up? Because what if it turns up that nobody has it? What if it turns up that everybody has it? Like, we can we can then start making some better informed decisions. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that GovCo is going to make better decisions. I'm just saying they're going to make some better informed decisions. Um, his call for random testing comes as the math on other decision-making models is being scrutinized. One group called COVID Act Now has been recommended as a decision tool for local leaders in North Carolina, according to public documents made available to the North State Journal. The group's data has also been relied on by leaders in other states when deciding to put in place these stay-at-home orders or shelter-in-place orders. COVID Act Now predicts over 200,000 hospitalizations in North Carolina without drastic intervention and recommended shelter-in-place or lockdown as the only options to avoid hospitals being overloaded. The models that this group has been using, though, came from the Imperial College UK projection which predicted 2.2 million Americans and more than half a million Brits would be killed by the virus. So there is some there that has been updated. The research behind that study, Neil Ferguson, is now uh, backing away from his dire predictions on deaths and hospitalizations. He now says UK deaths from the disease are unlikely to exceed 20,000 and could be much lower. So good news. Good news. But there's still 20,000 people that are going to die. Did you hear one of the, so two people uh, over the weekend, uh, Joe Diffie, I think it was his name, the, right, the country music uh, performer, propped me up beside the jukebox. That was the song I remember. It's like one of the first country music songs I ever bought with my own money. And I know, I know. Uh, he, so he died from complications from coronavirus. And uh, John Prine, which is so sad, John Prine died of it. Um, Governor Cooper tweeted out on Friday, North Carolina is now considered by the CDC to have widespread transmission, meaning some people who have tested positive don't know how they got it. Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show had uh, Deborah Burks, the coronavirus task force coordinator for the White House. Um, and she said, Savannah Guthrie, and I thought it was a fair interview that she did with Dr. Burks. Um, she started started off by saying that the 15 days, the initial 15 day uh, stay at home protocol, is now a 30 day stay at home protocol, and that 15 day one essentially ended like it should have ended today, but it's not going to. The president said um, that he was hopeful that everybody would be back, you know, the country would be back up and running by Easter, and uh, she says so that doesn't seem likely now. Does it? You know, we get data every day um, from around the globe, but more importantly, from the United States. I think everyone understands now that you can go from five to 50 to 500 to 5,000 cases very quickly. We see this in many metropolitan areas. We're very worried about every city in the United States and the potential for this virus to get out of control. And we really believe that Americans with the right information will stay home. So again, overwhelming the system is still the concern. Uh, New York City right now is sort of ground zero, probably due not in small uh, measure to the, uh, the, quote, warnings that were given by health officials into March, into this month, early this month, they were all saying, 
no, don't, you know, no reason to to avoid Chinatown and the, the whole New Year thing. And remember, China in Wuhan province, they had their big um, New Year's celebration and 7 million people, 7 million, you can hear the train there in the background, 7 million people um, left that Wuhan province. 7 million people left Wuhan province. Think about that. How many of them were carriers of this highly contagious infection at that time? So um, what does the data show? Savannah Guthrie now asks, what does the data show? Is it better or worse than Dr. Burks expected it to be? I think in some of the metro areas, we were late in getting people to follow the 15-day guidelines. And so we know that from the time you start doing everything that you need, staying home, social distancing, not going out to any restaurant, bars, or even being careful in the grocery stores, absolutely religious hand-washing, all of this, um, we see some metro areas came late to that. I think it will be when this is over, we'll have a lot of time to really compare data about what really worked with this epidemic so that if it comes back in the fall, we'll be better prepared both with treatments, but also in really understanding how it spreads. Yeah, a lot of people aren't even thinking about that. There's there's no reason why this thing ends he- here in the springtime or even in the summer. Everyone's hoping and thinking, well, the virus won't live very long once it gets into summertime or whatever. I'm not so sure. I don't know if it will or won't. I'm not speculating. I'm just saying nobody really knows for sure. That's what they're projecting. That's what everyone is speculating will happen. Dr. Anthony Fauci said that we could see millions of infections in America, millions of infections, um, and somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 200,000 deaths. Does Dr. Burks agree with that speculation? So in the flu models, the worst case scenario is between 1.6 million and 2.2 million deaths. That's the projection if you do nothing. So we've never really done all of these things that we're doing. We've put them into a model. We've looked at the Italy data with their self-isolation. And that's where we come up with, if we do things together well, almost perfectly, we could get in the range of 100,000 to 200,000 fatalities. We don't even want to see wow, that. that, that- I know, but you know, you kind of take my breath away with that because what I hear you saying is that's sort of the best case scenario. If everything works and people do the things you're asking them to do, maybe you can hold the deaths to one to 200,000 in this country. Well, the best case scenario would be 100% of Americans doing precisely what is required. But we're not sure, based on the data that you're sharing from around the world and seeing these pictures, that all of America is responding in a uniform way to protect one another. So we also have to factor that in. Cities that don't social distances, that don't stay at home, that believe you can have social interactions, that believe you can have gatherings of homes of 20 and, and 10 people even, that is going to spread the virus even if everyone looks well. Even if everyone looks well. Right? Like, this is the problem. It's asymptomatic. 
people aren't even aware they've got it. I know, surprise, surprise, was a story out of Florida when all the spring breakers, they're all, you know, all these kids went down to Florida. They didn't close the beaches. They didn't do anything. And they went down. And from what I understand, spring break in Florida for the college kids, um, I don't know. Do they, do they adhere to the, the social distancing of six feet? Is that part of the... <laughs> yeah, no. Nope. Seems like they're now getting on board. Florida seems like they may be actually, uh, oh, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have uh, let that happen. It's just really bad decisions sometimes. Because everything, this is my concern, is everything in this story, is th- this story in this pandemic, this is the worst possible example of it, which is everything is viewed through the prism of Trump. If you love Trump, then it's like, oh, everything that we're doing is fine. And if you hate Trump, it's like, everything that we're doing is not fine. And it's how you end up with politicians who a month ago, not even a month ago, were saying, oh, go on out, hug your Chinese neighbors. Donald Trump's a racist for banning travel from China. Um, it ha- it's how you go from that, the politician saying that a month ago, and now saying Trump should have acted earlier, right? That's how that happens. Is because Trump does something, you have to reflexively, knee-jerk reaction, oppose it, And then it turns out he may have been right about that. But then, of course, Trump says something else that is wrong. And all of his uh, defenders are like, Trump said something stupid, but we don't care. You know, just. It's one of my biggest frustrations in this era of Trump. And this is unfortunately, I mean, is life or death for a lot of people. Right, I have loved ones in New York. My family is all still up in New York. And when I watch what's happening there and I see the freaking mayor who's telling everybody stay at home, he shuts down all the gyms, and then he goes off and works out at the at his local gym. And then when he's asked about it, he's like, well, you know, I, I got to stay healthy. I got to lead the city. It's the same garbage that communist regimes would tell their people. It's why well, I need to stay fat because I know you're starving, but I need to keep my energy because I'm too important. I have to lead you starving people. Yeah, obviously you're doing such a bang up job. It's and then the mayor gets caught. What was he? Oh, walking around some park that was like miles away from his home. So he apparently went out to go for a walk in some park while he's telling everybody else, "Do not do that." Yeah, it's well, you know, some animals are uh, more equal than others. I think wasn't that what the wasn't that what Animal Farm taught us? <laughs> Uh, if you're looking for a farm and thinking that, hey, you know what, maybe this is the the way to go. Let me get a farm, raise my own food, that sort of thing. Uh, then you're probably going to want to look around mountainhomehunt.com. That's the website Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team uses uh, that they run, mountainhomehunt.com. Their phone number is 333-4483. And Rowena and her team, they'll go to work buying or selling. They'll get it done for you. So if you're looking to buy a house... Uh, they can get you get you in your dream home, uh, and if you're trying to sell, they can get your home sold fast and for more money. And they have a number of different programs aimed at different groups because really what it comes down to is marketing. And so, uh, because she came from a marketing background, and so she markets your home. And by the way, more expensive homes usually take longer to sell. Um, she also has the official Homes for Heroes uh, program in Asheville. This is the only. Uh, Homes for Heroes agency in Asheville, Rowena Patton, and this is a program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions. Uh, up, it goes to uh, police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, 
educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retired. And she's uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about $800,000 so far. She's given back to local folks. So uh, put her to work for you, buying or selling the only agent that I would call Rowena Patton and the all-star powerhouse team, 333-4483 or mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. Um, last clip here from the Today Show, Dr. Deborah Burke said that uh, this is going to spread beyond the big city. So a lot of folks in the rural areas, we think, oh, well, this isn't really hitting us. Uh, it's all in those big cities. Uh, it will hit us, she says. It's just really a matter of time. So this virus, we think, can spread with a lot of asymptomatic and mild cases. And it's not until it gets into the vulnerable groups that you start to see the hospitalizations. So if you wait for that, if the metros and the rural areas don't take care now, by the time you see it, it has penetrated your community pretty significantly. And that's what we're concerned about. And that's why you have to prepare, even though you think it's not there. Right. Which is, I think, pretty valuable advice as well. And we already see... um we already, see, we already see cases here in Buncombe County. And what she just said is if you've already seen it, that means it's already pretty pervasive in the community. The community spread is so uh, widespread with this virus. A couple of days ago, she warned the public not to panic when they hear about all of these various models and projections of the spread. And uh, this this did not win her many fans among the media because she basically was chastising and pleading, so chest pleading, pleadizing. Anyway, she was she was calling on the media to be better, to be responsible, right? To, look, don't be an irresponsible hack. Don't try to scare the American public because you think it's your job to scare them or uh, you think it's going to hurt Donald Trump and it's your job to make sure Trump loses. Um, so whatever the reason is, she's essentially telling him, stop engaging in this kind of panic mongering and here's the audio from this was uh on uh, from the press conference that they did uh, i want to say it was on friday or when i talked to you about how we are we've done some things that are very horizontal across the country but we're collecting data now in a county by county granular way so it's like any epidemic it's not equal everywhere there are places that are very spared and there's places where there's more we have a, a very vast country with a lot of capacity and a lot of infrastructure. And so looking very specifically about where the virus has been, where is it going, who's got freed up resources from where it has been, because it didn't hit all, it hit Washington State earlier than it hit New York, and looking at all of those pieces to really ensure how we can innovatively move equipment around based on the need. And so I know that it has become a place where people are looking at numbers rather than what is needed. Um, because if you do these projections, when you got to those projections that said, like in Germany and others, that Im implied that 60% or 50% of the population would get infected, the, I want to be very clear, the only way that happens is, is this virus remains continuously moving through populations in this cycle, in the fall cycle, and another cycle. So that's through three cycles with nothing being done. And so we're dealing with cycle 
A right now, not the one that could come in the fall of 2020, although we're getting prepared for it by the innovations that are being worked on, and not the 2021. We're really dealing with the here and now while we're planning for the future. And I think the numbers that have been put out there are actually very frightening to people. But I can tell you, if you go back and look at Wuhan and Hubei and all of these provinces, when they talk about 60,000 people being infected, even if you said, oh, right, well, there's asymptomatics and all of that, so you get to 600,000 people out of 80 million. That is nowhere close to the numbers that you see people putting out there. I think it has frightened the American people. I think on a, free, on a model that you just run full out, you can get to those numbers if you have zero controls and you do nothing. And we know that every American is doing something. Yeah. Um, she said, I'm sure you've seen the recent report out of the UK about them adjusting uh, completely their needs. She says, this is really quite important. If you remember, that was the report that said there would be 500,000 deaths in the UK, 2.2 million deaths in America. And they've now adjusted that number in the UK to 20,000, half a million to 20,000. And we're looking at that in great detail to understand that adjustment. And then she said, uh, I'm going to explain this. She said it's going to be complicated. Um, but in the model, either you have to have a large group of people who are asymptomatic, who never presented for any test to have the kind of numbers predicted. To get to 60 million people infected, you have to have a large group of asymptomatics. We have not seen an attack rate over 1 in 1,000. So either we are measuring the iceberg and underneath it are a large group of people. So we are working hard to get the antibody tests to figure out who these people are and do they exist, or we have the transmission completely wrong. Right? They're still figuring all of this out too, is what she's saying there. Models are models, she says. There is enough data of the real experience with the coronavirus on the ground to really make these predictions much more sound. So when people start talking about 20% of a population getting infected, it's very scary, but we don't have data that matches that based on our experience. And uh, she says we are five times the size of Italy. If we were Italy and did all of those divisions, Italy would have close to 400,000 deaths, but they're not even close to that. Um, then she goes on and talks about the situation with the ventilators. She says, we are reassured in meetings with our colleagues in New York that there are still ICU beds remaining and still significant over a thousand or 2000 ventilators that have not even been utilized yet. This erupted over the weekend in a fight between the White House and uh, I believe Governor Cuomo in New York about uh, where all of these ventilators or resp yeah, ventilators were like they were apparently there's like thousands of them stockpiled in a warehouse. And Trump was saying, well, if they got, you know, if they got all these ventilators, why are you blaming me for not having them get ventilators? Right. And, and of course, the media then attacks Trump for it because he's like, oh, well, he's pitting governors against each other and forcing them to hoard and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, you got Governor Cuomo and he's saying, well, you know, we're keeping them there so we can deploy them where needed. And like, I get it. And it's very easy to doubt and question and armchair quarterback all of this stuff. But when it's happening in real time between the president and the governor and the media is sitting there picking and trying to pit them against each other, like that's not helpful. And I know that there are a lot of people in the media that see themselves as reporters first and Americans second. And I never did, by the way. I never did. When I was a reporter, I was an American first. 
And now that that means something. And I understand that you can look at you know being an American and the, and the First Amendment protections and all of that, but there has to be some thing, some structure of America that is worth protecting as a member of the media. And that right. And if you, if what you are doing is helping to uh, to sow division and discord and collapse that, then I would submit maybe you are putting your job first. That's all. I'm not. It's just a, and that is a different choice than I would make. When it was me, I made different choices. Um, she says. Um, the situation with the ventilator. She says, please, for the reassurance of people around the world to wake up this morning and look at people talking about creating DNR, do not resuscitate, DNR situations for patients. There is no situation in the United States right now that warrants that kind of discussion. But you would think, you would, you would think that people are piling up corpses on the sidewalks at this point in, in New York City. Like that, I'm monitoring all of the social media feeds, and that's the impression that is being given. And I don't know what to believe because I'm not there. So I try to get as much information from as many different sources as possible. And it's amazing how completely different the stories are that I'm seeing. Dr. Burke said that there is no model right now. No reality on the ground where we can see 60 to 70% of Americans who are going to get infected in the next 8 to 12 weeks. She says, I want to be clear about that. We are adapting to the reality on the ground and looking at the models of how they can inform. But learning from South Korea and Italy and from Spain, and um, that's why um, that's why they've made the recommendations, the stay-at-home recommendations. It's why they've done what they've done. And that they say will help to quote flatten the curve. Uh, so thanks for the uh, thanks for the download for the subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't already, head on over to the Pete Thank you for the support. Talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.